As we approach Easter, we are focusing our minds, our hearts, our attention upon Jesus, and in particular upon his death and resurrection, or the, the preparation for his death and resurrection so far. And so, in our last session, we looked at how Jesus was making his way towards Jerusalem. He was heading toward the cross, and yet some of his disciples were jockeying for position. This time, uh, in this session, we're going to look at Jesus' triumphal entry. This is being uh, prepared for Palm Sunday, released on Palm Sunday. And so we're going to look at Jesus' triumphal entry and ask the question, what kind of king is Jesus? And then the next question is, what kind of people should we be who follow this kind of king? So we're going to start... uh, Picking it up where we left off last time with Jesus telling his disciples uh, what he has come to do and therefore what they should do. We're in the Gospel of Matthew this time, Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to pick it up in verse 25. This is in response to um, Jesus' disciples, the way Matthew tells it, to uh, the two disciples, their mother made the request of Jesus that they would sit at uh, Jesus' right and left hand in his kingdom. And here's what Jesus says, Matthew 20, verse 25. It says, But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercised authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So I just want to pause there, picking it up from where we left off last time, and notice that even though Jesus is about to be heralded as a king, and rightfully so, during his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the kind of king Jesus is, is different than the kinds of kings that were prominent in the rest of the world, right? And so what he's saying is he has not come to be served. He has come instead to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus comes as a servant king. He comes as a serving king. He comes to give rather than to take. He comes to lay down his life for his people. So Jesus is a servant king and he says that by way of instruction to his disciples about what kind of people they ought to be, right? They ought not to be like the rulers of the Gentiles who lord it over the people who are under their authority, right? But they are to be servants like Jesus is a servant. All right, here's what happens next, verse 29. It says, And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside, And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes And immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Now, notice that these blind men, they call Jesus the son of David. 
right? That's a way of saying that he's going to be the that he is the Messiah, right? David was the one who was promised that one of his sons would sit on his throne and his kingdom would be established forever, right? And so that's that's part of the promises, the stream of promises in the Old Testament about the Messiah. And, of course, it means that the Messiah will be a king. And so they're recognizing him as Messiah and king. And what are they asking him to do? They're asking him to have mercy on them. To have mercy on them. Now remember, Jesus knows he is headed for the cross as he makes his way to Jerusalem. He knows he is about to suffer and die. And yet, what does he do? He has pity He has mercy on these two men who are blind, who are asking him to help them. He is a merciful king. He is a compassionate king. He is not consumed with his own trials and troubles that he knows uh, are just ahead of him. He instead is paying attention to people around him. He is hearkening to the cries of those who are uh, in distress themselves, who are in need of help themselves, and he shows them mercy. He has compassion upon them. He even touches them, it says. In pity, he touched their eyes in verse 34. Right? So he's a servant king. He is a merciful and compassionate king. And then notice what happens next. Chapter 21 Starting in verse 1, says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So as Jesus makes his grand entrance into Jerusalem, he does so not on a great white horse, but on a donkey, right? On a colt, the foal of a donkey. He he does this, and it quotes uh, Zechariah, the prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9, to say he is coming humbly. Right? He comes, behold, your king is coming to you, it says. But how? Not in the way people would expect, and, and said in this way, humble and mounted on a donkey. So Jesus is also a humble king. This is evident throughout his ministry, right? But this is one more instance where Jesus demonstrates his humility, that even as he comes into Jerusalem as the king, to much fanfare as we're going to see, he does so with humility. He's a servant king, he's a merciful king, he is a humble king. And then we'll finish with this, verses 6 through 11. It says, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, 
Who is this? And the crowds said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So notice, Jesus is celebrated as king as he comes into Jerusalem. Um, But also, he is recognized as a prophet. Now, of course, he's more than a prophet, but he is not less than a prophet. What does a prophet do? A prophet speaks the word of God to the people. Jesus is himself God. In fact, John calls him the word, right, who was with God and who was God in the beginning in John 1. So he is the very word of God and he is himself God in the flesh. And so, of course, he speaks the word of God. He speaks the truth to the people. So he's a a servant king, a merciful king, a humble king, a prophet king. And here's what that means for us. If we are going to follow this king, if we are going to follow Jesus, then we must be servants. Just as he came not to be served, but to serve, we should live in this world not expecting to be served, but willing to serve others, right? Aiming to serve others. We should be servants. We should be merciful. We should have compassion on those who are sick, hurting, vulnerable, weak, those who are in need, those who are crying out for help. Jesus had mercy and compassion on those who were hurting and who uh, asked him for help. And we likewise should be merciful. We should be humble. If our own king came in humility, then certainly there is no place, no room for pride in us. That's something we're going to have to fight, right? Because we're all prone to various kinds of pride and self-importance. We must be humble as Jesus was humble. And then finally, because our king is also a prophet and more than a prophet, right? we need to listen to him. Right? We need to hear and heed his words. Listen to what he says. He not only speaks the word of God, he is the word of God. And when he speaks, God speaks because he's God in the flesh. So what does he say? Well, one of the things he said was to his disciples, you know, back in verse 26 of chapter 20, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. We need to listen to him, follow him, do as he did, and serve as he served, show mercy like he showed mercy, humble ourselves as he walked in humility, following our humble merciful, servant-hearted Savior King. Amen and God bless.